This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. What the Astros are in for this season from the fans. They're going to get punished every plate appearance they take away from Minute Maid Park. Breaking news. Nolan Arenado wants to win. Well, he's the one that said, I want to play for a winner. So does every other player in that clubhouse. When people go, he wants to play for a winner. Stop. They have won two of the last three years. Former Rockies closer Brian Fuentes talks about the challenges on the road to the pennant in 2007. I just sat there and, and wept for like a good five minutes. And then, you know, I kind of got my shit together and tried to pretend like it, it never happened. You know, guys are coming over, patting me on the back, you know, like give me encouragement, you know, like good teammates. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Welcome, everybody, to podcast number 33, the Drew Goodman podcast with Julie Brown. I don't even know the damn name of the freaking prod- podcast, and we've been doing it, it for seven months. It's Honestly, it's not that good. The Drew Goodman podcast with Julie Brown. I, I do occasionally have to tell you, we were fighting a moment ago, which is kind of funny. Yeah. I do I do occasionally run the line when people go, hey, what's the name of your podcast? I go, hey, do you got a pen? This is uh-huh. really because you got to remember it. You know, it's hard to remember. Yeah. And they're like, oh, all right, help me out. What is it? I go, it's the Drew Goodman podcast with Julie Brownman. Yeah, we kind of missed the mark. Okay, you told me, you promised me that the, this was going to be funny, what we're starting out with. Yeah. So um, a buddy of mine, and I think this is a great idea. Okay. He said, every team that plays the Astros should have a promotion where they give away little garbage cans- <laughs> And, like and a little, and a, and like a, something to like, you know, beat like beat the drum, mm-hmm. and that's the like giveaway on a Sunday in Seattle. The Astros are in town, and it's garbage can day. <laughs> the first twenty thousand fans get the garbage can, and every Astro guy that comes up, they can make a racket. <laughs> I think that's funny. Isn't that a pretty good deal. That's more minor league um, promotions. But, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's creative. Clever, but it's clever. It's clever. Did you see on social media, it, it was a spring training game where it was captioned, I think it was Barstool Sports. It said, the Astros' first sign stealing of the season. It was somebody from the Astros going over and steal and taking signs from the crowd away from people that were bagging on the Astros. Yeah. That's funny. That is funny. Get ready the for it, people. I know. So when, when people, you and I have talked about this. So when people talk about, well, you know, Commissioner Manfred didn't punish the Astros, mm-hmm. the individual players, which we talked about that last week. They couldn't have, according, there was supposedly an agreement with the players' union. If anybody was going to, you know, if they wanted to interview guys, then th- there was going to be immunity. They're going to get punished every plate appearance they take away right. from Minute Maid Park. That's <laughs> their punishment. You're right. And there will be, we'll get to see in the background, um, we will get to see. A wastebasket, for sure. Oh, right. There's going to be a ton of them. Would that be a great gift? That is, yeah. a, and I, I would like to claim it as my own. But you can't. Well, I'm an honorable person, so it, it was a buddy of mine who came up and it was a great idea. <laughs> Why are you rolling your eyes? People, who, thank God, this isn't on television. Well, it is. Kristen's yeah. um, putting this out there. All right, ready for a little house cleaning before we get like into the- That's like the 400th time you've rolled your eyes at me in the last <laughs> six months. Go My ahead. mom used to say that they would get stuck. Uh, congratulations to Ben Warwick. He wrote into the show, thedrewgoodmanpodcast.com, last week. So he wins $50 in Boyer's Coffee. Cool. So, yes. Congrats, Ben. So we are doing that again. Later, and you have to listen to the show, How You Can Win $50 in Boyer's Coffee. 
listen to the podcast and we'll tell you a little bit later. Another thing we want to tell you, we Mm -hmm. want to see you come out and see us on March 11th. We'll be at the Maven Hotel, which is in the Dairy Block. It's the official hotel of the Rockies, a fantastic boutique hotel. We're going to be there doing the podcast live at seven o'clock and Adam Caton Holland, a Denver comedian who I saw the other night with Kristen, our marketing person. Funny guy. Funny guy. Local talent. And loves sports. And he loves the Rockies. He read your book. You should love him already. God bless him. He's the one. He's the one. (laughs) Yeah, he read your book. So that I'm excited about that because we were down at the Maven uh, like a month ago. Yeah. And we had a blast. We had a blast. And we had a nice crowd and the Maven Boyers is happening. I, I love the Maven. Yeah. They'll have their uh, Rockies yeah. blend coffee, by the way. Okay. So we, we've just talked about the Rockies. We were talking um, before the show and you told me that there's one guy that you think is going to be the guy this year and I'm not sure anybody else Agrees. Well, when people talk about the Rockies and you say, well, okay, how can they return to where they were in 17 and 18? You know, everybody talks about Kyle Freeland. He does have to bounce back, right? We know that. Mm-hmm. And and he's kind of been the focal point. And, I, and I've mentioned it a lot. It's, it's an obvious one. But here's a guy, Julie, if the Rockies are going to return, and I, and I think they're capable of doing this, obviously, return to where they were just a couple of years ago. This guy was really good in September. And, I'll, and he's a great guy and he has and he was a former number one pick he's now two years removed from tommy john surgery chichi gonzalez chichi gonzalez is gonna be the guy this year for the rockies but understand what i'm saying i'm not saying like oh chichi gonzalez is gonna be a 17 game winner Uh but if chichi gonzalez can be like a 12 game winner well, all of a sudden you go, he's been really steady. He's got a, you know, a 415 ERA and, and Chichi Gonzalez gives him a, a, a really good chance to win every fifth day. Yeah. Where now there's a guy at the back of that rotation because you expect Marquez to be good. Right. You expect John Gray to be good. You expect, as we talked about, Kyle Freeland to bounce back. So in rounding out their rotation, who's another guy that all of a sudden you go, whoo, he's had a good year. Chichi Gonzalez is my guy. How many games did he win last year? Do you remember his record offhand? I, I, I don't. I, I just know in September, mm-hmm. he, he I think he threw Julie 26, 27 innings. He had a one-something ERA in September. And the yeah. Rockies played, they were, in, they were playing a lot of good teams in September that were still playing for something. He was really good. He's gotten better. There was more velocity. Um, tremendous makeup guy. Marvelous teammate. Uh, he's a guy you really root for. We'll get him on at some point. You're gonna you're gonna love Chichi. Okay. And so if there's a dark horse, like okay, the Rockies are a really good story in July or August. I'm telling you, I think Chichi's gonna be one of those guys we talk about. I would hope so because if you you just named, we don't know about Kyle Freeland, although we all really hope that he returns to, you know, not last year but the previous year. I know Marquez is a really good pitcher, but sometimes he's a little inconsistent, right? He has to be less so this year, but I love Marquez. I love Okay. And John Gray, I'm a huge fan of John Gray. But sometimes you just, like last year, good year, really good year. But he hasn't put a ton of consistent years together, right? So Fair. I mean, and I, I like all three guys, but if Chichi Gonzalez can come up big, you know, all the better. Okay. So sometimes we like to take people behind the curtain of what you think um is where where are you going you think this is normal because you've done it for so many years but a lot of people talk to me about spring training and what spring training is like and you live it more so than than i do spring training is great for a fan what is it like for a player and different kind of players um from a player's standpoint i think you have to break it down to an established 
player like a, a Nolan, a Charlie Blackman, a Trevor Story, even a David Dahl. It's pretty blessed, right? It's it's a it's a really good time of year in that they're getting their work in, they're getting their bodies ready, they're getting their timing at the plate, whether it's 35, 45 at bats, to get ready for game one and ultimately the marathon that is the baseball season. And it's a very for the most part, relaxing five or six weeks. Now, if you're battling to make the club where, you know, you're you're in competition for one of the last spots on the club, you know, if you're a Sam Hilliard, you're grinding because you know you're close. You were up in September. You performed really well in September, but you know that there's a lot of outfielders and yes, there's an extra roster spot this year at 26, but not saying they're not enjoying it, but there's a lot more on the line. It's not like, hey, I'm making $10 million a year and I know I have a roster spot and, and, and I know I'm the starting center fielder, I'm the starting shortstop. And you know what? You get your work in and then and then you enjoy you know the rest of the day. Much more relaxing experience than a guy who's grinding. So there's really two kinds of two kinds of baseball players in spring training. So and the guys don't always like if they play just a few innings, it's not like they're some of them take off, right? Like it's a different. Well, yeah, you throw your bag over your shoulder, and you <laughs> you're leave. done, right? Yeah. I love, I love it. This is really funny. It's almost like little league, and you will see see this periodically. You'll be driving down the 101, and a guy goes by in a fancy Mercedes or Ferrari, even, and you're like, "Wait a second, that dude's in a." Rocky's uniform. Wait, that's cargo. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago because he, lead, you know, they were up in Peoria. He was done. And he didn't even bother showering there. He's like in a shower back at the facility. He's driving down the one hundred and one in his in his Rocky's garb in his in his Ferrari or his Lamborghini. So what you're saying is, if you go down there as a fan for spring training, keep your eye on the road because you never know who you're going to see. Yeah, and Scottsdale, as you know, is big time fun this time of year. Ideal home loans. They've been around since two thousand and one. And they are locally owned. We always we always point that out. And they do a marvelous job of getting your loan together and doing it in an expeditious fashion and an easy fashion. It can be stressful. It's not with ideal home loans. Give them a call. 303-867-7000. 303-867-7000. Thousands of people have done it. Thousands of people have benefited from uh, how good a service they have, and thousands of people are really happy. I know because I'm one of those thousands. Give them a call, 303-867-7000. They are the preferred mortgage provider of the Colorado Rockies and have been for several years. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Brent Ivinson's company, and uh, again, if you're in the market for a home loan, if you're consolidating debt, if you're refinancing, give them a call now. 303-867-7000, Ideal Home loans and julie yes they bring us our interview of the week right are we yeah. doing that here yeah we're gonna do that right here yeah. which you've done so, so you went to rocky's fantasy camp a mm-hmm. few weeks ago yeah and since then you've brought us some interviews from former rockies which have been really fun to take a look back not only what they thought about you know a lot of them played in, in the world series jeff francis and um, josh, josh fog, fog. yeah so this week is brian fuentes who you told me you said you really like this interview because he can be um, he, he a little sh- not short as in uh, annoyed with the media. He just he's not a a lot of guys aren't just natural talkers, but he was in this interview. Well, he, and he generally is, and that people didn't realize it because you know a lot of times they don't. You know, some of the bullpen guys you don't realize have 
a lot of personality. Mm-hmm. Brian Fuentes has a huge personality. Brian Fuentes w- was um, a really fun-loving character, and and I think a lot of people may be surprised when they listen to him. He's great at fantasy camp, man. He's great when he runs Kangaroo Court, and he tells um, uh, you you'll hear it in the interview. He tells a great, funny locker room story. Mm-hmm. But I know the one that that really grabbed your attention yeah. is the story he told about when he struggled. Can we now, get to the interview? Yeah, that'll be like a little tease for the interview. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, Ideal Home Loans <laughs> interview of the week, Brian Fuentes. So did I pry you out of the woods, by the way, to uh, to do this little interview? No, no, I was I was hunting, I was goose hunting, uh, and I was out in the middle of the field, and it was noisy, and I had shitty reservists. So was... How often do you hunt, by the way? Uh, as much as I can, to be honest with you. Um, depends on what season it is, you know, if it's bird season, I could get out once, once a week and, uh, and obviously like deer or bear or whatever, anything else, it's usually a trip, you know, so it'd be like my, maybe two weeks I'll be gone hunting and then I'll do like once or twice a year. So did you ever go with Todd? No, never, never been hunting with Todd. That's interesting. I assume everybody who plays baseball, uh, for the Rockies and overlapped with Todd had gone help hunting at some point. Uh, with help. You know what cracks me up though? Here's something people don't know about you. You're great. You were an, an unbelievable practical joker. And back in the day, since you love to hunt and you like to target shoot, some of your pranks in the clubhouse were around air guns, correct? Uh, yeah. One of my favorite that you told was who you told us at uh, Fantasy Camp recently. Who shot you when you were going in the shower? Oh, uh, it was Affelt. Tell tell the story about Affelt shooting you as you're going in the shower because your teammates know this, but fans don't realize this, that no matter what, you're one of those guys that like 50 years later, you'll knock on the door of somebody who got you. You will get them back and it will be much worse. Oh, yeah. It's the long play. <laughs> it's definitely the long play. Yeah, so... What I, how that all came about was that uh, we were we were kind of just target shooting in the clubhouse with those little airsoft guns, and eventually that turns to boredom, and then you know the barrels and muzzles get pointed at each other, and uh, you know, and it, and it kind of goes back and forth. Well, the, the one day Jeremy had mentioned that he was going to shoot me, and I was and I was like, come on, dude, like no, like stop, you know, because just just having the thought of being hit by one of those things is almost worse than the actual shot itself he's he's pointing this airsoft gun at me and and waving it around at me and i'm telling him to knock it off you know i'm gonna go shower so i turn around and i have just my sliding shorts on and, and, and my shower shoes on and i'm walking into the shower and uh he he called me i turn around and say like, hey tito he's like you better run and uh i turned around looked at him i was thinking oh my gosh i hope he does not shoot me right now but i was like I'm not running, first of all. And I said, and you, you're not, if you can shoot me, you're going to have to shoot me in the back. And I, so I said, okay. And I, and I, I was kind of calling his bluff, but I, I didn't know what else to say at the time. So I turned around and slowly started walking in the shower thinking, oh man, like at least I'm gaining some distance further away from him. And he was maybe like 15 feet from me at the time when it started. And I'd almost entered to the, into the, into the showers, you know, in the, in the home locker room, like right by the sauna. And, uh, and I, I hear the, the, the shot go off. I hear the shot go off and he shoots me right, you know, right in the butt with that airsoft gun. And I winced up and I didn't want to scream as bad as it hurt. I didn't want to win. So I didn't scream. I just took it and I just kept walking. I said, okay, 
I was like, payback, you know, it's coming, right? And he's like, no, 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 like, come on, man. Like, and I, and I played it off pretty good. So walk in the shower and he, he comes over into the shower. I'm not quite in the shower yet. And he's like, come on, shoot me, shoot me. Like, we'll call it even. I was like, no, no, no. I, I, I will get you when the time is right. So it was maybe a week later. Maybe we went on the road and we came back or something. And, uh, I seen the opportunity. I see him going in the shower. I was like, perfect. So I go load up my gun and I follow him into the shower and he's all suds up. And Todd's in there. So it's Todd and, and Jeremy, they're in the shower. And, and uh, I was like, hey, Jeremy. And he, and he looks at me, and all of a sudden, he just starts screaming. He's like, no, no, come on, man. Don't, 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 don't shoot me, man. Not, not, not here. And he starts, he runs, and he's trying to hide behind Todd almost. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just one of those things. I mean, yeah, I mean, two grown naked men and, and, and me standing there in the shower. And, uh, and he's, he's like going towards Todd. He's like, don't shoot me. And Todd, you know, he's threatening. Of course, I'm not going to shoot Todd. Right. He's like, uh, he's like, you better not shoot me with that thing. I was like, oh, don't worry. I won't. And then he starts yelling at Jeremy, like, get the hell away from me. Go over there. So he, <laughs> Todd gave him the, the big boy voice. And so Jeremy scoots over in the corner and then I unload on him. I think I shot him about six times, just, just welting him up really bad. And, uh, <laughs> He was screaming the whole way. It was it was amazing. It was amazing. But uh, yeah, a week or two later, I ended up getting him back. You want to know what? That's funny because uh, Fogger and I were talking last week, and he said the same thing. He goes, "You do not want to get Tito because if it's the last thing he does on his last day on Earth, he will get you back, and it will be tenfold." Yeah, if I if I haven't forgot about it, and if I do remember, it, then it just makes it even better. You used to grab uh, one one of the things you used to do also is kind of grab the microphone, which is a, a tradition on bus rides uh, to and from the airport. Correct, right? You'd entertain. Yeah, I'd MC a little bit, and that and that's why it works well at fantasy camp when Frazier can't make it down when you take over um, Kangaroo Court. You enjoy that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do enjoy it, man. It's it's a lot of fun just to kind of cut loose and and um, and talk about the daily things that go on that, that that should be discussed. I want to take you back. 2007, obviously, you know, you had a long and distinguished career. Uh, you know, I think people probably forgotten you played for, for five additional teams than, than the Rockies. Um, you saved over 200 games in your career. Um, 2007 will always be special, obviously, for, for you and for, for Rockies fans. But it also was... Um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, maybe the most painful period of your big league career in some respects. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, that was, that was definitely the uh, toughest part, toughest point in my career. It was, um, I tell everybody, I think it's a record. I, I'm pretty sure it is. You, you probably be able to look it up better than I could, but I four blown saves in a week. I was like, man, that's tough to do. <laughs> and, and, uh, it was one thing or another, you know, it was like, I wasn't throwing the ball well. And then, you know, I had a couple unlucky things go my, not go my way and and it was just like steamroll but you know I was just so you know stubborn and just the fact you know Clint was you know you, you need a night off you know you want you want to take a breather and I was like nope give me the ball you know because I was so confident in myself that I was you know that it wasn't going to happen again I got this you know like I've, I've won games before I will bounce back I will be good and I will shut the door you know and then the next night happened again and I was like no way, no way. That, like that, no. And I was like tonight, 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 tonight. You know, and I was, you know, when I was throwing these innings, I was throwing a lot of pitches, you know, because I wasn't throwing well probably, and and so sure. my arms were tired and and physically, um, 
you know, I always kept myself in pretty good shape and I, I could handle it. You know, you're fine. You're fine. And, and this is me. Um, you know, if I had to do all over again, I don't think I would have not taken the ball. I don't think I would have backed off. I wouldn't change anything. You know, I mean, it's just, that's just the competitive nature that, that, you know, I was raised with and, and, and has made me successful. I vividly remember, you know, it was the lowest point of my career. I was, I was walking off the field in, uh, Houston. Um, uh, Lee had just hit like a two, uh, uh, one, two or a two, one change up out off the pole for a walk off. And, uh, I was going down the stairs and I never really feel a lot of emotion when I'm out on the mound because I don't want to give the other team that satisfaction. I, I just, you know, walked off, had my head down, walked off the field, walking up the stairs and, and that, you know, just sucked the air out of the team. You know, I mean, we were, it was the fourth one in a week that they had put us, you know, put our team in a, in a situation to win and, it, and I was supposed to close the door and it didn't happen. And so it's just, it's crushing. You know, it's four losses on a road trip out of seven or something. You know, it's, it's I was just thinking to myself and I, and I actually said it out loud. I, was like, I can't, I cannot do this. I, obviously I cannot do this. And I turned around and Gags was behind me and he just looks at me. And like he looks really surprised. The look on his face was surprised. I was just like mad, sad, and uh, I, I, you know, I'm trying to stay composed somewhat, you know, just so for my teammates and myself. And and uh, I went into the weight room because it was like the one place where I didn't have to see anybody. And I and I laid on the ground and and I just I literally cried. I was like just crying because I couldn't. I was so frustrated with myself and. And my inability to get it done, I, you know, I, I was upset that I let the team down and, and that I couldn't, it was like I couldn't get myself out of that hole. You know what I mean? I just sat there and, and wept for like a good five minutes. And then, you know, I kind of got my shit together and, you know, wiped my face off and went back in the locker room and, and tried to pretend like it, it never happened, you know? And, and, um, you know, obviously the clubhouse is pretty, you know, pretty quiet after a loss like that. And, um, uh, you know, guys are coming over, pat me on the back, you know, like give me encouragement, you know, like good teammates. And then, uh, you know, the media comes in and, and, you know, I handled the media session and answered all the questions and, and that was that, you know, but it was, uh, it was something I'll never forget. You know, that's for sure. I, I couldn't, I couldn't really remember more than a handful of, uh, of saves in my career, you know, like, sure. Like if you went back and explained it to me, I might be able to remember parts of it. But like that that game, I can't even remember the first. I mean, I remember how I blew the other three games, but I don't remember really like what like me walking on the field or like much. It was just kind of a blur. But that one is so vivid. Like I just I never forgot that feeling, you know. And um, and then uh, I went on the DL um, shortly after that or after that, and it was. My arm is definitely tired, you know. I mean, I was I thrown a ton of ton of innings or a ton of pitches, and and um, my arm was shot. Mentally, I was done, and it was just like you know everything needed to blow a reset, you know. And then uh, so I went on the DL, and Manny started closing. I think I don't remember if Manny was setting up for me at the time or just setting up the eighth or what he was doing, but he was throwing the ball well. And then um, that was such a such a gift to have him be able to step up and, and take the ball in that situation because, I mean, if he doesn't do that, who else is going to do it? You know, obviously, I wasn't capable of the time, and maybe someone else could have, but uh, the way he pitched, you know, in my absence was, was amazing, you know, and he, you know, he carried that back in, you know, all the way into the World Series. Yeah, you know, that that's the painful part. I think 
you know, sometimes the average fan, they just look at, you know, what guys, uh, you know, at that, at your level are capable of making and they see dollar figures and they, they, they forget, you know, that not only they're human beings behind it, but at, at whatever level you play, baseball is such a painful sport because whether it's a position player going through a one for 15 and they all, and everybody, it happens to everybody, as you know, whether you're Mike Trout or, or a journeyman guy, you're going to go through a one for 15. And if you're a pitcher, especially, if the focus is on you, you're taking the baseball in the ninth inning, the three toughest outs to get. There's pain involved because there's going to be failure. There's going to be disappointment. Was there a guy, Tito, that that you know put his arm around you? You mentioned Gags earlier, Mike Gallego. Was there was there a teammate or a coach who who kind of helped you get out of that funk? No, you know what? It's funny because I went back to my hotel room and. Uh... I had a couple cold brews and just kind of relaxed, and I was sitting there trying to figure out life. <laughs> At that point, you're, yeah, re- you're reevaluating life. You know, like everything's, every, nothing else matters but how the hell you're going to get out of this slump. I was like, man, what, what the, like, like who's who's gone through this? You know, I'm thinking like freaking like Jonesy, like Todd Jones or something, but he was too far removed. Like I hadn't seen, I hadn't talked to Todd in like two years. I was like, I'm not gonna call him out of blue. I was talking to my agent the next day. And he's like, yeah, you know, tough goes and that. But I was like, yeah, man. I was like, I don't know what the hell, man. And uh, he's like, you know, he's like, uh, you know, I was talking to Trevor the other day, and we were talking about you, uh, talking about Hoffman. He's represented by the same guy. And uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, man. If you ever, if you ever like, he said, if you ever want to talk about it or, or, or you know, um, you know, discuss something, you know, like figure out what's going on or like your mindset, get your mind right, you know, you know, he'll. He doesn't mind if you give him a call, you know, if you want his number. And I was thinking, like, holy shit, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, <laughs> I don't, I know him a little bit, but not that well. You know, I'm thinking, like, I'm like, like the little kid, like, hey, hey, dad, help me. <laughs> tell, right. you know, tell me how you do it. You know, I mean, I know you don't have yeah. Like, it took you like three years to blow four days. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was like, oh, man, I was like, I never called him. And and I was like, you know what, I'm going on DL, you know, I'll do some video work and, and I'll just, um, it's like that, that monster under the, like that the monster you just sweep under the bed, you know, it was just, it was yeah. something like, you know, let me get right, let me get physically right. And that, and, and that time off helped me get a little reset button mentally. And so when I came back, it was just, okay, just focus on getting healthy, you know, rehab a little bit. Now I'm back. Now it, it all that all that stuff in the past is in the past. It doesn't matter. Let's go. Let's do this. You know what I mean? And uh, at that point, you know, Manny was already closing, so I just went into that, uh, you know, sixth and seventh inning role, and then I started pitching some more in the eighth. And uh, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to close again. But at that point, it was late in the season, and we were on the big push, and it was just like I didn't. I, I mean, obviously, I knew I was closing, and I, and I missed that, but I didn't mind. It was like, I, I, all my my attention was like getting to playoffs. You know, let's just get the playoffs. We're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. Like, come on, we could do it. And then, and then we're there. And then it's like, I don't know. It was just weird. It just, it just, it was so smooth that it didn't really matter. You know. And then going into off season, obviously, I was like, you know, I want to close. You know, I went in and, um spoke to uh clint the next spring training and told him that you know com- coming out of you know coming out of spring training i said i want to be the closer you know and, and uh he's like well you know it's going to be you know it's going to be a fight and and um you know manny's pitched really well i was like yeah i get that you know but 
You know, that's that's what I do, and that's what I want to do. And then, actually, I didn't. I don't think I broke it. I didn't break up the closer in uh, 08. Uh, Manny started, and then uh, he had some struggles, and I went back in the closing role in 08. It's wild how everything how everything happens. Let me ask you this about that 07 team, and you know the 21 out of 22, and the race to the World Series, and and Rocktober, and and all of those things. Do you have a favorite memory in particular from that uh, from that great run? Um, I you know I I really have fond memories of, of clinching the, the games at home. It was just like coincidence that we clinched all those games at home. The crowd was just insane. I mean, like I've never been around anything like that before ever. And then you know our energy was so high, and, and it was just like um, it was like euphoric, man. It was just that's the best way to explain it. It was it was just having those moments on the field and in the clubhouse, and and listening to Moffert talk, and it was just so sweet, man. It was so sweet. But um, as far as like game wise, um. I don't even remember what the hell game it was, but when when um, Todd hit that homer off Saito, yeah, uh, at home and and the bullpen and, and I don't know, we, I think you had mentioned it before at one of the camps that he was on some unbelievable streak of of, of like shutout baseball, you know, pitching really well. Yeah, you know what, Tito, you know what it was. He he literally because cause Holiday Matty got a hit. That was the first hit. Now you guys play the Dodgers. You know, it seems like every other day, right? Saito, Saito hadn't given up a hit against the Rockies that year until Matt gets the hit and then, you know, Todd hits the ball out. So I mean, it was like when Saito came in, you're like, okay, game's over, right? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And that's what, and that's what I mean, I was, I don't even remember Matt getting the hit. I mean, that's how, that's how oblivious I was to everything yeah. else and the, and the whole scheme of things. I, you know, I just, I know we're, we were going up against him late, and I was like, man, dude, this is not looking good. You know, it was like when Gagne would come in back in the day, it was like, poof. Like, you yeah. kind of want sit, to sit and watch just to enjoy it. But, you know, like, you're you're hoping we could pull it off, but really you just want to see him go to work. You know what I mean? Like, you appreciate his crap, you know, a man in that crap. Um, so seeing uh, seeing him come in and toss at the plate, and he had, like, an epic at bat. I mean, he was like, I don't know if it was – what the count was when he hit it out, but it seemed like there was, it was more than five pitches. It was like, he had him two strikes at one point. I know. And, and, uh, he was just like battling him. And then I don't think he held through him, but we were in the bullpen and he hit it. And it was like a no doubt as soon as he hit it. And it was like, holy crap, that just happened. And, uh, place erupted and, and, you know, the rest is history. But. Yeah. I think for Rockies fans, it's one of those moments where everybody remembers where they were. I don't remember Jack over time. I really don't, but I remember holiday lined the, uh, a, you know, line shot to right for a base hit. And then obviously, you know, the ball Todd hit in the bullpen that I remember, I'm telling you, I don't remember particulars of, of even, you know, big time games that, uh, that you guys participated in. Um, r- real quick, couple more when it, it that 07 team, it still has a special bond. I see how much fun you have with you, you know, with the guys at fantasy camp and, you know, playing golf and just retelling stories and busting rocks and staying up all night at JD's in the hotel. I mean, it's good stuff, isn't it? No. Yeah. It's great, man. It's, it's one of those things that, and I hear a lot of, a lot of ex-ball players say the same thing. It's weird how, you know, teammates can get back together regardless of, regardless of like how long you play together, even if it's just a year, we could get back together and it's like it, it like we, it's like we never left. You know what I mean? You just pick right up where you left off, and and it's you know the same same you know wise jokes and 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 
you know, usually the same topics of discussion, you know. <laughs> uh, right. It's, it's, uh, it's great, man. It's, it's like a little, little reunion. You know, I'm, I'm real grateful, you know, to the Rockies for, for bringing us out, you know, every year to, to be a part of that. I'll leave you on this one. People always wonder, hey, so what, you know, what's, What's Brian Fuentes doing now? And when people, when it comes up, I say he's an almond farmer in uh, in Merced. So tell tell us about how you got into that and uh, and what that's all about. Well, I got into it through some some friends. Um, it, almonds are a huge a huge industry here in Central California, oh, California as a whole. And uh, I've always I've always had friends who grow or, or manage. Um, fields and, and orchards of almonds and and i've been asked numerous times to get into it and i was like man i'm not a farmer dude like i'm not really into that like i don't know enough about it and, you know i know it's a big investment you know and not right now no i'm good and i always kind of just stayed away from it and then once i retired i had the opportunity to do it again and um and i was like you know what this might not be a bad idea you know just for a little portfolio diversification type of a thing you know have you know, play the market a little bit, do some real estate and farming. Now it's pretty, pretty wide base and, and, you know, kind of set myself up for, to be successful, you know, later in life, um, financially. So I said, yeah, we'll do it. So I, I learned all about it, you know, hung out with the right people and, and, uh, uh, purchased, took me a while to find some land and learn all the irrigation, you know, principles and, and, um, how all that stuff works and what, what to do, what not to do. And then, threw a bunch of trees in the ground and waited for them to grow. And that was it, man. So now I'm on year six and, and uh, they're producing well. That's awesome. Hey, listen, I appreciate it. It's always good to uh, visit. And it's always good seeing you during fantasy camp. And um, you cracked me up. We got those three guys from uh, Northern California pretty good this year, too, also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tito, take care of yourself, man. Say hello to Barbara. All right. You're a pleasure, bro. So that interview brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. R- fun interview. But that really, um, I thought it was really engaging listening to him talking about struggles because you don't hear guys talking about that a lot and how deep those struggles were and how badly he felt, you know? Yeah, I, I think too often the jaded fan goes, oh, you know, they, what does he care? He makes $10 million a year. He makes $15 million a year. They care. They care deeply. At, at the end of the day, they're competitors. And yes, a lot of them, many of them are handsomely paid, but it has nothing to do with dollars. And I mean, he was driven to tears. And this is a strong man. This is not mm-hmm. only a strong man physically in, in Tito, Brian Fuentes, um, but, you know, a, a, a strong man mentally. And he, and he, it, this just knocked him four blown saves in a week. And I think a lot of people remember it. It was, I, I remember that road trip. The Rockies went one and nine, and Troy Tulowitzki had an extraordinary road trip. It's like every top of the ninth inning, the Rockies were like down a run, it seemed like, and Tulowitzki would hit a two-run homer or a two-run single, put the Rockies in front, and unfortunately, Tito had a horrible week, worst week of his career, and he came in, and next thing you know, he blew it, and Tula went from being a hero to an afterthought, and the Rockies stumbled home. They went one and nine, Julie. I remember. Do you remember that? I do. The last thing people thought is the Rockies would be in the World Series. They would have been in the the postseason, right? Mm -hmm. And they recovered, and Tito lost his closing job, and Manny Corpus, he alluded to it, stepped up. He was terrific, and Tito stepped in, and he became the setup guy, and it worked really really well but you saw a guy being honest many years later and he and he's he's told this story I, i've heard it before but mm-hmm. you know telling it publicly it just gives you insight I, he's such a terrific guy man and and he's fun to be around and you know i, I like the earlier one with the airsoft gun because he will get <laughs> you back 
Right. I liked how Todd was like, uh, yeah, get yeah, away. Nobody's right. And nobody's <laughs> nobody's going to shoot Todd. Todd. Right. Nobody's shooting Todd. He's, uh, yeah. And Jeremy Affelt is, is hiding behind Todd mm-hmm. Helton in the shower. Yeah. Good place to hide behind. Yeah. Okay. So I'm kind of proud of us that we didn't start this podcast with anything to do with Nolan Arenado because that's, you know, just kind of what people want to talk about. Um, Lately at spring training, my question to you is, and it seemed to have died down a little bit. I mean, it's always going to be there this year, but what's the big story that's lost this year for the Rockies? I guess starting off in spring training, because we spent so much time talking about Nolan. I know we talked about Kyle Freeland having to get back at it, but what, what kind of lost what should have been talked about? Or should be talked well, about? Well, I mean, this is attached a little bit to Nolan. I think we we've touched on this. And that is, if you can make the postseason 67% of the time, so let's say the next 18 years, and if I told you the Rockies will be, there'll be Rocktober, some form of Rocktober, 12 out of the next 18 years, would you would you take that? Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. I'd sign up for that. Yeah. I mean, I think just about every team not named the Yankees or the or the Dodgers would, would sign up for that. I mean, it, it's hard to get to the postseason in baseball. And the Rockies have been there two of the last three years. So all of this rhetoric about I want to play for a winner and and I and I love Nolan and I love how competitive he is. And Trevor, you know, they all want to play for a winner. Well stop for a second. Hold on. You won ninety plus games in eighteen. You basically in seventeen were what were they, eighty nine wins. They were right there, wild card team. You've been in the postseason two of the last three years. So when people go, he wants to play for a winner. Stop. They have won two of the last three years. And unfortunately, and, you know, it's a hard game. Rockets didn't score any runs in the Milwaukee series. When they got swept, they scored two runs. I do remember because those couple years you're talking about, I was doing sports talk radio. And I remember talking a lot about when it came down the stretch, the offense wasn't producing. No, they they didn't. And they they really didn't produce um, in that the one game against the Chicago Cubs, but fortunately, you know, Tony Walters had that hit in the 13th inning. Oberg was great out of the pen and they went, what they went two to one. Yeah. Was that the final score that night? Yeah. So they didn't score in that game, but fortunately they, they scored enough uh, to win. But again, it's not, it's not picking on Nolan. It's this, it's this overall thought. Well, yeah, of course he wants to play for a winner. Stop. They've won two of the last three years. Last year was a terrible year. Well, he's the one that said, I want to play for a winner. So I guess so if you could- So does every other player in that clubhouse. So if you could ask him, what would you ask him? Like you have this like one-on-one with Nolan and you want to kind of get into that. Is it like, what What do you mean by that? Because two out of the last three years, you were in the postseason. Yeah. I, I, listen, I'm not- uh, Going forward, I'm going to see Nolan in, you know, I'm going to see him in 20, whatever, mm-hmm. 36 hours from now. And- the last thing he wants to talk about is more of this. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm certainly not going to bring it up. I'm going to, you know, I, I love the guy. I love watching him like we all do. He's a phenomenal talent. He's a generational talent. I just think this thing got blown way out of proportion. And, um, the, the, what I'm bringing up tonight in our podcast, Julie, is more that when people go, yeah, I get it. He wants to play for a winner. I'm like, hold on. But they won two in the last three years. Yeah. And and hopefully they can continue on that trajectory. I think his point is that maybe unlike Todd, who Todd really wanted to stay here, that Nolan has some other things on his mind, right? 
But I see what you're saying. Well, if he ends up ultimately opting out and wanting to play somewhere else, or if you think he's going to opt out, then it'll be on the Rockies to get the most they can get in return. I hope that doesn't happen, and I, and I know I speak for everybody in purple mm-hmm. th- that you know that doesn't happen. Julie, we've talked about this a bunch. If you win, everything gets forgotten. If the Rockies you know, have surprised baseball and on July 1st or eight games over 500 and everybody's like, hey, this is a pretty good baseball team, right? Nobody's talking about what took place in January. Right. And let's keep our fingers crossed that that's where we are. The Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman is sponsored in part by Boyer's Coffee. Drew and Julie are giving you the chance to win $50 in Boyer's Coffee. And you can enter right now. First, leave us a review on iTunes. Then, take a screenshot of your review. And finally, visit the DrewGoodmanPodcast.com. Click on Contact and upload a picture of your review. And boom, you're entered to win $50 in Boyer's Coffee. Good luck and thanks from the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman and Boyer's Coffee. And right now, it's time for, it's time for the, the Boyer's it's Coffee the What's Hot segment. I love football. We're going to talk 90 seconds about Carl Durrell. Because I'm only giving you 90 seconds because you're not, over it. I'm kind of over it already. I'm the kinda, whole CU thing. I'm kind of that was an emo. Well, I didn't go to CU, so it's not like I'm. That was a little bit of a roller coaster, right? The whole Mel Tucker thing was just I didn't agree with how that went down. Then it's like, well, is there a little chance of enemy? And then the offensive coordinator for Alabama, and then it's like Carl Durrell, and I'm not sure that came out of left field. That came out of well, I. I had heard that um, he didn't want to throw his name in there because Eric Bieniemy's name was in there and they're buddies. Um, but then they kind of circled. Oh, and then uh, the co- Troy Calhoun that kind of went away. I saw Troy Calhoun earlier this week. Actually, I was doing a basketball game down at Air Force. And I love Troy. Troy's been done a great job. They won eleven games this year. Brett Bielma also. Right. right. So it did come Wisconsin, out of left field. Arkansas coach. I'm not sure people are that fired up. I wish him well. I love it when CU does well in football. I just, okay, if that's all this amounted to. Yeah, I, I was, I don't know him well at all, I, mm-hmm. but I was around him a little bit when he was on one of his stints here, you know, because he's also a Broncos coach. Um, really classy guy, yeah. uh, very well thought of, but he's more like a the, the steady CEO type. He's not a fiery guy. He's not a you know, fire and brimstone guy. And I just thought it was an underwhelming type of hire. And I obviously I wish him well, but I want to see Colorado kick butt. And Mel Tucker, I know he's gone, but Mel Tucker had raised the bar for everybody. Everybody was excited from players to alumni to boosters. And you don't get that feel with Carl Durrell. Now, listen, I I hope it works out wonderfully well, but it was a really safe and maybe somewhat of a, a strange hire. You know what's not strange, but what did work out well is our love for Boyer's Coffee and our partnership with Boyer's Coffee. The roasting coffee in the Rocky Mountains since 1965. You can stop by the cafe at 7295 Washington Street. Their flavor of the month, which I've gotten, I think, about eight times because it's right by where I work, is chocolate cherry. Unbelievable. I asked you and I pleaded with you to bring some 
because you know how much I love chocolate and I like the combination of chocolate cherry and you once again have not taken care of me. <laughs> that is a great point. They have roast masters there, by the way, at Boyer's mm-hmm. Coffee. You can actually go see the process. If you go up there at 7295 Washington Street, they double check each and every batch once it leaves their vintage roasters. It's you feel like um, it, it's it's homegrown. It's Colorado. Uh, we all love the, the big coffee places, but you should really love Boyer's Coffee and support a Colorado company. And you can get it in your local supermarket. Absolutely. And or you can order it online. So Boyer's Coffee. Boyer's Coffee. And they'll be at the Maven with us as well. On March 11th. Okay, we're going to end this podcast again on something. When you brought it up, I was like, meh. Every topic I brought up <laughs> in our show prep today, everything I brought up, Julie went, meh. Which she pretty much does every week, but it was like a more emphatic nah, this week. Okay, the XFL. You so want to talk about I, the XFL? I texted you yesterday about the XFL, and you go, why the fuck do you want to talk about the XFL? Yeah. And I said, for that very reason. I'm watching it, and I'm like, it's late February. I I love You know how much I love football. I know you love mm-hmm. football. Yeah. I Here's my analogy. Invariably, every year... In like early November, somebody will stop me and go, hey, you know, it's it's nice to meet you. You must be going through withdrawal symptoms because there's no more baseball. And and I said, and I say this politely, I said, you know, actually quite the contrary. I said, I love baseball. I love the Rockies. Um, I, I am so privileged, and I mean this, to do what I do and to come into people's homes on a nightly basis. I love the game of baseball. You know, I coach it. I have three boys that play, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? But guess what, Julie? In November, it's time to watch college football and the NFL, and we move on. And that's why this time of year in late February, when they've now gathered in spring training, we're getting excited again. I don't want 12 months of that. I don't want 12 months of football. I turn on the XFL. I'm like, who the hell are these guys? The only good thing about it that's interesting is that everybody seems to be mic'd up. So you hear more. Could the NFL take a page of that um, to enhance their uh, the fans' experience at home? Absolutely. But guess what? The XFL, you know, people, you know, people, it's like a car accident, unfortunately. They're going to rubberneck and look a little bit and then move on. I don't no, want to watch. I don't want to watch the X. I don't want to watch football in February. I don't want to watch it in March. <laughs> Can you believe this? I think you and I are wrong about this. Because if you look at if you look at the ratings from the first game, I think it was ABC, it hasn't gone down that much. And the attendance is up in week three. We may be wrong. They average about 20,000 fans per game. 20,000 versus the average NFL team's drawing 65 to 75,000 fans. But it's not like the, it's, we may be, I mean, people are interested. I'm not, I'm personally, I'm like, I've watched a little bit. The quarterback plays bad. Yeah. Uh, It it doesn't do, I love football, love football. I don't want to watch a bunch of guys I don't know who couldn't make your local NFL team play in february and march it doesn't do it for me but of course they called me and said hey you want to do the game (laughs) you're like okay did you see the sign you know that the little girl had um in the stands it said she said i'll trade girl scout thin mints for a battle hawks football did you know that it's girl scout cookie time i do because i was walking into king supers the other day and um do you ever lie 
I'll be honest with you, Julie. <laughs> I know you lie a lot, but do you, do you ever lie? Sure. Kristen's looking at us. She knows where I'm going with this. Do you ever walk into a King Supers or a Safeway? If you and, lie to a five-year-old, right, get out of my house. Hold on a second. Stop. They're not five. No, They're no. like nine. Oh, you, right? you, you, you freaking, you lie to a and little girl. Go, hey, girl, can you buy Girl Scout cookies? Have you ever uttered, because I know everybody out there has done this, I've already got mine. No, actually, I tell the truth, Drew. I said I've already got mine, and I have. Okay, I t- just stop. <laughs> oh my god, just you stop. lie to seven-year-old girls. I, I'm not saying that I didn't have mine, but even if I don't, if you're in a rush, what are you supposed to say? Be no, like a, thank dis- you. Screwed? No, I don't want your damn uh, peanut butter cup cookies or whatever. You say no, thank you. You you no, lie. Yeah, you either buy if you have time to buy, mm. or you. God, you're Tell the, the worst. White lie that you, <laughs> no, I, or I put the hood over and I look to the right. You do, don't you? No, not, not to make eye contact. As we uh, end the right. podcast, your favorite, your favorite kind of Girl Scout cookie. I I can never remember the name, but so I it's Is the one it I Samoa? said. Well, those those are good, but what's the, I do thin like mint. the peanut the thin mint tagalongs. I know all of these. <laughs> Have you bought any? Have, I didn't see yeah, any they're in, in the office. Kitchen. I've got five boxes. I don't want to bring them home because I know what's going to happen. About midnight, I'm oh, going to get up you, and demolish them. This is such ass them. coverage right now, so you don't get so. When, so when people listen to the podcast, they don't say, "Oh, Julie, oh, Julie actually has I'll hers." Send when a, you go I will, I'll send a picture I tomorrow. A I'll picture. tweet it out tomorrow. I have five boxes. God bless you. Will you give me two so I can actually vouch for the fact that I have some at home? God. I like the, the peanut butter ones. What's that called? Tagalongs. Say that slower. Tag. Alongs. Okay, enunciate, and I would hear you. The we'll first time. see you next week. Julie and I are fighting. <laughs> and it goes a little something like this: Tag team back again. Check it to wreck it. Let's begin. Party on, party people. Let me hear some noise. DC's in the house. Jump, jump, rejoices. There's a party over here. A party over there. Wave your hands in the air. Shake the dairy, yeah. These three words mean you're getting busy. Whoa, that is hitman.